Welcome to episode 364 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 364 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? Well, Bevan, I'm sitting here in the presidential suite at the Manalani Bay Hotel looking out the out of the view over the sea, so life could be worse. You schemed the presidential, did you? I'd schemed the presidential suite. Well, it's not quite the presidential suite, but it's it's an oceanfront view. It's not bad at all. Ain't too shabby, eh? Um, uh, I'm a bit squeaky, mate. Can you tell? Why, why are you squeaky? Puberty's hit. No, um, I did the voice work at the Christchurch Marathon this weekend, so if I am sounding a bit funny this week, it's because I've been yelling at lots of people coming across the finish line, so I apologise for that in advance. But anyway, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Have you been drinking lots of that? We've been chugging through the coffee this week. We got through it all, I think. Nice, love your work. We've also got... Uh, next up? Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And I'm loving the Extreme Endurance because my legs are not too sore today. That's Trainingpeaks.com. Uh, John will put his amazing results up on trainingpeaks.com. And slstry.com. And you can look cool. You can even get your own IM Talk gear at slstry.com. Okay, team, in this week's show, it's again, it's a bit of a funny one because... John's a bit tired, he can't be bothered, so... <laughs> More or less. So, we're going to do a little quick bit of news, and basically we're pretty much going to be wrapping up what's happening with John over the last week, but we have got an interview, John, and the interview's with... Pete Jacobs. Nice. So, John caught up with Pete Jacobs just before the race, a couple of days before the race, over in Kona, so um, we're going to check up and uh, have a listen to what Pete's been up to. So I got, I, I got in his head. I got in his head, Bevan. Well, you took him out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah took about anyway um this weekend we had the itu world long distance champs which was unfortunately turned into a bit of a farce because they had to significantly modify the course it was supposed to be over a 4k swim 120k bike including a big uh, mountain climb and then a 30k run ended up being a 9.5k run 87k bike and a a 9k run well, they changed the first run, they cancelled the swim, and that got replaced with a 9.5k run. Um, so they ended up swimming uh, no, swimming zero, but running the same distance and only biking 87 kilometres. So real disappointment because you know, a lot of people, that would have been their A race for the season. Um, but, you know, weather conspired against them, and I'm sitting here looking at the finishers photo of the guy that won, uh, Mr. Billard from France. And he's got gloves on. He's got a long sleeve top on. The people in the crowd have all got jackets and big winter woolies on. So oh, yeah. I, I didn't hear it was it snowed. Did it snow? Did you say? Uh, I don't know if it snowed, and I don't think they went over the big mountain, um, as which is why they cut things. So real disappointment. Um, but we had uh, Bertrand Bilan take it out in four oh eight forty five. Terenzo Bozzoni, uh, good race by him in second, four hours ten, uh, and he just took out Dirk Bockel in third. And on the girls' side of things, Melissa Holstein uh, took it out in four forty two from Camilla Peterson and Rachel McBride. Um, 
and she uh, sounded like she really smoked that first run, but she spent, uh, this is Melissa, the Australian, spent so long in T1 putting so many layers of clothes that quite a few people went past her, but um, she managed to regroup and, and take it out. So well done to everybody who raced over there and just a real shame that, um, that weather conspired against them. It is a real pity, isn't it? Because mm. it's a um, completely different racing, isn't it? Oh, totally. And, you know, like... It, so I think some people have been saying, you know, it's it's a bit early in the season to be having this race, but you know, it is the start of June. You, you'd normally expect it to be, you know, a li- maybe a little bit on the cold side at this time of year potentially, but you wouldn't expect the crap weather they've had, and and, and it's the same in the the Giro. You know, that got significantly altered um, because of poor weather, and just across Europe, you know, there was a seventy point three on at Switzerland at the weekend, and that got stopped because there was a big landslip on the road. So I think it's just a um, it's just a, the world's a changing place, Bevan, and the weather seems to be all a bit screwed up at the moment. Well, it's just a real pity. Was the age group race affected as well? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah you know, ninety-five people, percent. You know, you feel sorry for people in that situation because they put so much time and energy into, you know, and money into you know going to this World Cup event and you know having this really wicked experience and you know you obviously you still have a race and you know you do the best you can but it's not what you're prepared for so you, you're a little bit gutted for those especially the age group it's like pros you know it's just another race but for mm. a lot of people in the age group race that would have been you know the event for this year that they've really put a lot of time and energy into so I feel a little bit sorry for those people. I don't. Um, but they had nice weather in Madrid, so John's ITU update. Uh, Jonathan Brownlee uh, crushed it again. They had a little breakaway going on the bike, and uh, Jonathan Brownlee took out Gomez again by about um, 50 seconds or so, and Ivan Vizilev was in third place. On the girls' side of things, they had an attempted breakaway there with Nikki Samuels and... Uh, Nikki Samuels and there was another girl off the front, the Sarah Groff from, from the States, um, but they got caught up. And Non Stanford, another one of the great British flipping production line, took it out. <laughs> um, and uh, from Annie Hagen, another of the poems, uh, Jodie Stimson with Gwen Jorgensen, who's been crushing everybody during the season, running through for fourth place um, with uh, not quite the fastest run of the day, but she ran up from the second group to fourth. So um, good, really good to see some breakaways happening on the bike. You know, they had a about probably six or seven guys in the in the break on the the, the guys race and um, just good hardcore smashing themselves silly um, best guys are winning and uh, it's just yeah Brownlee the Brownleys and Gomez you know they're such complete packages it's I don't know how people are ever going to beat those guys they just they swim they bike and they run it's brilliant that was the first tier race wasn't it yes it was yeah yeah yep. so Madrid's okay. a, a regular stop and um, yeah it looked like good racing Jumbo I've got a question for you. Hmm, far away. What was the answer to last week's question? Yes. So we had last week's quiz and apparently we didn't give the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about later on in the day. I was like, what was that answer? So, so the what was the question? Was, um, the question was, Australia and Britain seem to have a grip on the Kona titles. First part of the question was, who was the last non-Aussie to win the men's title and in which year? No, I and think I said Stadler, didn't I? And you got it right. 2006, yes. Norman Stadler. Yes. And Nice work, Bevan. Second part of the question was, uh, who was the last non-Brit or Aussie to win the women's title and, and which year? And who did I say? Did I say... Um, I don't think you got it right. Uh, who was it? Yeah. Natasha Badman in 2005. I think I did say Badman, didn't I? Did you? I can't remember. No, go neither. back and listen to Yeah, yeah go true. Back, go back so, and listen when to you, When you said it then, that's who I thought of, Badman. Was right. who, yeah, of course I did. We've obviously <laughs> had, we had Chrissy, we've had Marinda Carfrey. 
Because 2005 was the year you did it and Badman overtook you on the run, didn't she? She did, yes. Yeah, yep. I, remember, I remember you were a bit gutted about that. Can't we, we keep that one on the download, <laughs> Bateman. <laughs> okay, sorry. Well, since you've been doing so well lately, I've just got to keep you leveled, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you can keep bringing up um, Peter Reid and you can keep bringing up Pete Jacobs this weekend as much as you like, but yep. let's just keep the, the checking on the download. <laughs> Newsom, Newsom hates being checked. It's the worst thing in the world to Newsom. Okay, so also just have a couple of other quick pieces of news. We just had a double happen to the Enduro Man and it was over in the UK in Hampshire. This is from Tim Hemming and uh, about 40 people started the race, or 45, we'll go up to 45 on the numbers at least. And uh, I'm not sure if the race is completely finished yet, but at least the winner was Matt Wynn-Smith and he did 25 hours for the whole complete time. And at this stage, it looks like only either only eight people have come through or eight people finished. So it sounds like it was a pretty tough day out there. So that was pretty cool. We also had a race in Scotland, I think it was. Ben Nev- Nevitz, where's that? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, a, that's the highest mountain in... I don't know if it's the highest mountain in Great Britain. I think it might be, actually. Um, but that's up in Scotland. So it is an iron distance race, and it's built to be the toughest iron tr- distance triathlon in the UK. It tra- attracted 150 people. Now, we don't actually have the full results because the web page doesn't seem to be working, but that was on last week end as well. And probably the other last piece of news, the week, big piece of news, is that they have actually moved the 70.3 champs for next year. Yes, it's interesting moving it to still keeping it in continental America. I mean, I know it's it's moving up to Mont Tremblant in Canada. Um, it's a good move. You know, that race, it sounds like it, uh, the, all the pictures make it look like a very, very beautiful place to race. And it's got, um, you know, a somewhat challenging course, I believe. So cool. I think it's, it's, I think it's a good idea to be moving around. It will be nice to see when it actually makes it to Europe. And uh, hopefully it makes it there the next year. And rumours are it'll probably be, you know, if it goes anywhere, it'll probably go to where they hold the European 70.3 champs in Weisbaden um, and apparently that's another really good course there so cool I think I think it's a good move when they bring the 70.3 champs to a town you know they choose one of the races do you think it actually makes the event any bigger or is it pretty much the event because most of these events sell out anyway so is it more just to change course like I know I understand why they're doing it I think it's a good thing but does it actually bring anything more to the race that was already established well, you've got to qualify, so you can't just enter it. Um, and I guess just it's a it's a championship race. So if you want to compare yourself against the best, you know you you go to where the best are going. And um, it certainly still doesn't have the same pedigree, or you know, as say getting doing well in Kona. But you know, they're, they're, it's building up. I think each year it's getting a little a little bit more prestige, both both for the pros and for the um, and for for the age groupers. And uh, so I think. Um, I think it it would be it would be a different feel, you know, because you do have to qualify, and it's it's not not everybody can go and do it. Okay, this weekend we've got Ironman Cairns coming up, and uh, Jombo, what's happening? So good old Torsten has uh, come to the party again. Last year it was the inaugural um, the inaugural race, and what I find interesting this year is they've kept the prize purse. It looks to be the same. So challenge um, initially had this race. Um, and then it, it didn't happen. We've gone through all that stuff before. And they had a prize purse of 100,000 euros. And according to Torsten's site, um, it looks like there's 100,000 euros up again. And it's a 2,000-point race. So I'm somewhat surprised that we haven't got more pro guys because that's fantastic prize money. And uh, there's only 12 pro guys entered. Last year, we had uh, David Dallow take it out from Cam Brown and Jimmy Johnson and Carrie Lester take it out from Belinda Harper and Candace Hammond. And Cam Brown is uh, firing up again 
and he is rated number one on the start list for Torsten. It's Clayton Fatel is also down. Maka is down, but I've seen him tweeting. I think he's in hospital with something going on, so I guess he won't be turning up. You've got Courtney Ogden, Luke McKenzie, and Brett Carter, um, but only you know only 11, 12 guys. So um, there's a couple of unseated guys, so maybe 15 max on the guy side of things. So it's going to be a good payday for a lot of those guys. So you're picking Brownie? Um, I think I will. Yeah, no, I think I'd go with, I th- you know, looking at that list, I think I'll go with Brownie. Clayton Fatel will smack it silly in the swim and the bike, and uh, he will probably need probably a good 15 minutes on Brownie coming off the bike, I think, for him to have any sort of hope of winning it. Yep. And the girls have things? Girl side of things. Uh, we have Gina Crawford lining up, Michelle... Uh, s- there's only eight pro girls. Wow. Uh, Gen- Gina Crawford and, and the rest of the names. Anna Ross, who's been age group of the week, for, um, now racing as a as a pro. But uh, uh, Liz Blatchford. Oh, interesting. Who's she? She is a short course girl. Very, very good. Um, she will be leading out of the swim. I uh, don't know how much of a lead she'll have on Gina, but she'll have a reasonable lead. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, looking at this list, Clayton Fatel will lead out of the swim. I'm predicting that she will be second out of the swim. Is she that good? Is she? she well, she's just she's she's really good. She'll be she'll be around the same sort of level as Brownie. Probably just um, she'll probably Brownie will probably be sitting on her feet coming out of the swim. I reckon. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how she goes. But all those other girls are not at the same level as Gina, so it should either be Gina crushing them all, um, and Liz Blatch would be the the only one sort of uh, that will challenge her and quite conceivable if Liz Blatchard has a good day she could uh, smoke it good times rock and roll okay so John we've got the news out of the way we want to hear the real news you did your race last weekend you had the Kona the Honu what are they called is the Kona Honu 70.3 and Honu is uh, Hawaiian for turtle so it's a turtle 70.3 and where's the course so the course is, uh, it more or less starts towards the end of the Queen K. So there's a beach there called Harpuna Beach yep. that is allegedly rated in the top 10 beaches in the world from time to time. Very nice place. I don't know if I'd quite rate it in the top 10, but bloody nice Sumner, beach. come on. Yeah, Sumner. New Brighton's better than Sumner, come Sorry. on. <laughs> New Brighton. <laughs> um, but very nice beach, and so it's almost at the end of the Queen K. Um, you come out of there; it's uh, it's a climb out from this from the from T1 up onto the Queen K, only a, a couple of minutes climb, and then you turn right and you come down the Queen K, maybe I don't know uh, seven or eight kilometres down to the entrance to the Manalani. Uh, you turn you turn around there and you bike out to ha- uh, just before Harvey, so it's not quite the same turnaround as Ironman. Uh, it's just before that, sort of around where the airfield is. Turn around, come all the way down, back into Kauai High, down the Queen K, and then you bike into the Manalani area and uh, rack your bikes. And then the run course is it's it's, it's a very odd run course. You're basically running around a golf resort and you spend a, a bit of time on, on just on concrete paths. You spend quite a bit of time running up and down golf fairways on very, very soft, you know, pat, very, very soft ground, long grass. And, uh, and then you have some sections on road, but a lot of running um, up and down, lots of twists and turns, heaps and heaps of um, turnarounds, you know, just doing little in and out and backs all over the place. So it's like, it's, yeah, somebody described it as uh, like running a spaghetti course. It's it's all over the place, but but 
very difficult run, lots of little climbs, lots of changes in surface, and obviously very, very hot. So do you want to talk about the overall race or do you want to talk about your race first? Um, well, the overall race, uh, Craig, it's pretty simple to explain. Craig Alexander just Smoked crushed it. Smoked it. Yeah, he uh, he was uh, it was it was a good strong field, you know, good good you know good handful of very very good guys, and obviously the the focus was on Pete Jacobs versus Craig Alexander. Uh, they came more or less came out of the swim together, and then you know when I saw them coming down from uh, the the first turn, Crowley had already got to the front and had a little bit of a gap, and then I saw them again coming down from Harvey, and he just killed them all on the bike, and I don't didn't see him after the race, so I don't know how hard he rode, uh, how hard he ran. It didn't look like he ran particularly hard because he had such a good lead coming off the bike. So he oh, one, one twenty three for Craig Alexander is pretty slow. It is, but it's it's a very slow course. Um, so well, you know, John Newsom ran a one twenty six. Like you're a good yeah. runner, but <laughs> just that. yeah. But, I mean, when you, when you look at um, you know guys like. Uh, yeah, you know, Luke Bell and stuff. Their their run times were pretty slow as well. So oh, okay. yeah, it's just it's it's a slow run course. Um, so what happened to and, Pete? Because it, it, it looks like he had a pretty terrible bike. It's, it's I think I didn't talk to him afterwards, but I think um, he had a bad back on on the bike, and uh, and he was just I was surprised he finished. To be honest. Uh, oh really. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I passed him on the run somewhere. I can't quite remember where I passed him, but he wasn't moving at express pace at all. And so that was more or less the race. Crowley just crushed it all. On the on the girls' side of things, um, it was a bit of a bit of a um, cock up, uh, and I'm not sure if it was the, the Bree Wee's fault or not. But she crushed it uh, on the swim and was killing the race on the bike. Uh, she was well in front of Belinda Granger and Julia Grant. I think she had like seven minutes coming off the bike, and then somehow she went wrong uh, the wrong way on the run course. And, and, and the other girls are faster runners than her, but I don't think they would have made up seven minutes, but somehow she went wrong on the run course. And whilst it was a very complicated run course, um, I don't quite know how you go the wrong way, but she managed to do that. That's unfortunate. So, isn't it? so, so Belinda Granger ended up coming through uh, for the victory, and Julie Grant was second, and Bree Wee must have got herself back on course for, for third place. So, did an age group get second overall? Yes, and one of our camp athletes was uh, was second age group overall, and I'm just going to have a look where she finished overall. Um, but, but we've got Laura Sedell from the Great Britain. She seems to have the second fastest time of the day, and it seems like she's yeah. an age grouper. Yep, no, I think that was uh, that was that was correct. And Michelle Andreas, who was uh, fifth overall, um, is an age group as well, and she was on our camp, so she wow. was fifth overall. So she uh, she crushed it. She wanted to go a bit quicker than than the time had down there, but um, she still crushed it. Mother, I'm going to get her on the show. Michelle, if you're listening, I'm going to get you on the show. She's got triplets. She's got three triplets. Boys wow, and then two other boys. So she's got five kids. Really. And she's still smoking, and she works. She should stop smoking, but <laughs> yeah. So she, yeah, she's she, uh, lovely lady and uh, and very impressive racer. Okay, Jonbo. So you you walk up in the morning, you look at the field, you go, if I could pull off a top twenty, I'd be happy. Top ten would be an amazing day. Tell us about your day. I, I don't look at it like that. I'm, I'm, I'm I know, I'm, but I'm just, I'm, I'm hyping you up. Come on, okay. you can go with it. I'm gonna throw in some. I'm gonna throw in. Some Apparently, I'm gonna buy you some apps. Did I say I was gonna buy you some apps if you got top ten? I can't remember what. We, we, we definitely, you said you'd buy some apps, and I can't remember if it was top ten or, or what it was. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll take them. I'll take them. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so yeah, we rock up. To the, we'd been down and had a swim a few days earlier, and they changed the course this year. And 
And so my positioning, you basically swim parallel to the shore to start with for about a deep water start, swim parallel to the shore maybe, I don't know, maybe 800 metres, hang a left, go out a bit, come back along and then turn back into shore. And so I'm thinking best place to start is on the left-hand side. Um, but when we got into the water, see the pros take off three minutes before us and they are just drifting way out to sea. There's obviously a strong out current. And uh, so I moved myself down. You know, that, that's a coaching tip is when, when, you, when you do have the pros starting before you and you're in an ocean swim, check what the hell they're doing because um, I mo- totally moved my position on the start um, to the complete opposite end of the start line because I could see there was so much drift. And, and when we were sitting on the start line, I, I drifted like 25 metres within the space oh, really? of uh, two metres, uh, two, two minutes. So I knew there was a strong drift, so I moved along quite a bit. And uh, the other thing I'm going to have to bring up is there's quite a few cheating bastards in this race because uh, the drift happened and uh, a number of the guys on the camp uh, when you, they were swimming down, they got to the, towards the, the, the first turning buoy and they realised that they were between two, the two turning buoys. They were like quite a long way off course and they actually swam all the way back in and got round the, round the can and then made their left-hand turn. But apparently a lot of people did not make the right-hand turn and they just completely missed the buoy and the officials didn't send them all back. So that was a bit of a shocker. So wait a second. So they, went, they, went, so if the, they tried to swim straight. They went to the left of it. They got to the point where the buoy was. You know, I, they really should have turned back and swam back to the buoy and gone around it, but they kind of just turned left and went to the next buoy. Basically, just cut a big corner. They realised okay. they were off course. It's, in some people's defence, they may not have even seen the buoy off the right, but they they cut the course pretty badly. And and I think that's bad. The race was exceptionally well run. Everybody was had a huge amount of praise for the race, except for that one point because that was a bit of a shocker. Quite a few people cut the course. So wow. bad, bad, bad work on that. Um, and then. We, we swam the rest of the course, made the left-hand turn uh, into the beach, and then you just got sunstrike like you wouldn't believe. You couldn't see a thing. And, and this huge chop came out of nowhere, and so you're swimming into this massive big chop, trying to get to the beach, can't see a thing. You're just following the person in front of you, hoping like hell they're going to, in the right direction. So that was pretty interesting. The swim seemed very long. I, only, I had a poor swim. I just didn't get off the line very well, and, uh, and then just conceded after about 400 metres that you know if I was going to smack myself silly I probably wasn't going to make up too much time so I just settled on the position that I was at and stuck on the feet and the feeling in the swim was it was much more felt much more like an Ironman swim than a half Ironman swim but I well, as in not, 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 not that fast yeah and, and my effort was not very high but I, oh, I okay. knew if I if I really decided to crank it I probably wasn't going to make up much time and uh, and it was going to take a lot of effort to do so so I just sort of settled in and, and just uh, hoped for the best and I had quite a few people around me and overall rating of the swim was not particularly high for me but um, when I came out I realised it wasn't it wasn't actually quite as bad as I thought but I wasn't as far ahead of people that I perhaps should have been yep. Um other interesting things in the swim, and this is one of the cool things about Kona, apparently when some of the guys were swimming along, a couple of massive manta rays swam underneath them. Really? And, uh, that is just, it's very cool. When you see those things out there, it's just, uh, it's wicked, and that's one of the cool things about Kona. And uh, so you come out of the swim on the Kona in this course, and you run across the beach, and then you have to run up a hill fairly challenging hill and grab your bike and then you've got to bike up a hill for two or three minutes and then you're up onto the Queen K and it was pretty windy to start with, um, very windy in fact on the Queen K um, 
and just you just settle in. And um, but once we actually started making the climb up, uh, you know, out to Harvey, it was the winds were strong, but I'd still probably only give it about a four out of ten. You know, you, you're going pretty slow at times, but you know it can be a lot worse. And if people want to check out what was going on on the bike um, in terms of my power file, I've, I've posted that up on Coach John Project 2014. I haven't done a report or anything yet, but I have got my power file up there. And what I've actually gone through and done is broken it into different lap segments so people can actually see um, the different names of places that I talk about. You know, I basically did a lap when I was on the Queen K. I did a lap from Kauai High, which is sort of the low point of the race, and then up to Harvey, which is the high point. And then I did another lap when I came down from Harvey to Kauai High, which is a lot of descending and, and quite fast. And then I did another lap on the, the Queen K, and I think I did a lap of the, the hill out of Kauai High, so people can actually see what was happening with my power. But um, I think the main thing was um, when people, if they try to analyze things, I was actually out there racing. I wasn't necessarily riding to power. So early on, I had guys around me and uh, and quite a bit of surging and uh, making sure I wasn't getting dropped from anybody, which was, was quite a challenge at times. Uh, and then things sort of settled down. And I ended up riding with um, for about 60K with Tommy Vonach. Um, and you remember, Tommy, he's a manager for Von Van Vlerken. We've met a couple oh, of times. Oh, yeah, 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 Thomas. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. So we were riding a good <clears> pace together. And this absolute axes over here we got passed by a couple of guys like we were standing still and these guys were just crushing it and one of them who actually was a first age grouper overall I think he David I Condon he, yeah he rode like a 215 or something so he put seven minutes into us and wow. when he came past I thought right I'm gonna go and try to hang with him for a little bit and that, <laughs> that lasted for about one minute uh, and, and he rode strongly it's out of so, when you're in the race so like I remember what doing I mean New Zealand one year <clears throat> and this is where I was probably at my peak time and, and, I, and I was a pretty solid rider and there's this guy from the UK who just it was like it was just ridiculous the speed he was going and he just it was like I, he was next to me one second and I couldn't see him within the next two minutes he was that fast mm-hmm. and yeah and, and, and I looked at his results and he held the pace the whole time it was pretty impressive yeah I know the guy you're talking about he used to be a cyclist he's very very good oh, it, was, it was just yeah. another level it was, it was so yeah. impressive yeah. So my so my bike, I was actually um once we'd sort of settled down and uh got to Kauai High, which is probably I don't know, twenty five K in and I was riding with Tommy and uh and another guy, I just sort of settled in at that stage and, and wasn't really cranking it. Um I was you know, it was a bit of a conservative plan and just kept it pretty steady, didn't didn't go too too hairy hard nuts and uh coming down from Harvey you lose quite a bit of power because there's quite a bit of um descending and uh, I mean, it, it, somehow I managed to drop Tommy going through an aid station I think and uh, so I ended up riding about the last 30 k's by myself and nobody out there it was quite quite lonely because by that stage all the people going out had uh, had gone through and so it was just me and the Queen K really and, <laughs> and uh, yeah so and, and I powered down a little bit I was I was taking a pre- <clears throat> taking a bit conservative at that stage because I felt that I was I was pretty much towards the front of the race and I figured if the guys out the front were smoking on the bike there was not too much I could do about it and I was just going to hope that I was going to run as many people down as I could. So uh, a couple of questions first of all how were you feeling post camp because you know you, this, you haven't really done the greatest lead up to the race you didn't really tape it had mm. you so how, how was the body feeling during the you know the swim bike because of the amount of work you'd done during the week? Uh, pretty good. You know, I didn't have that spark in the swim in terms of getting off the line, which, and I haven't been doing that much swimming. So, um, yeah, it felt average in the swim, but, but not terrible. And the bike, 
you know, there was no muscle pain. Um, yeah, I felt pretty good. Uh, just, yeah, conservatism was the name of the game. Um, after I'd made that initial um, sort of staying with the, the guys that were coming through on me pretty hard, I just um, thought, you know, I'm in a pretty good place here. If I can stick with these guys, I should come off in a pretty good position. And I back myself on the run that I can outrun most people. Um, so I figured if I'm riding with these guys, they'll pull me through at a pretty nice time. But no, I really, you know, I, I didn't feel on fire, but there was not much fatigue in the legs because we did have, I mean, it was only one day off, but we had Friday essentially as a day off and our ride on Thursday was, whilst it was 125 Ks, it was um, it was pretty easy spinning. So no, I, fe- I felt pretty good. I didn't feel like I did in Auckland where I was properly tapered for the race, um, but felt felt pretty good coming off the bike. So then the next question is, where did you come off the bike? What position were you in? I passed quite a few people on the run, but I passed quite a few pros. Um, so I, I'd be picking. I ended up being third age grouper overall, and I'd be picking I was probably around about um, maybe about 10th coming off the bike, maybe a little bit higher than that, somewhere between sort of 7th and 10th age group. But inclu- off the including bike. the pros? Do you know where Not you including were? the pros. No, I don't, I don't know where I was including the okay. pros. But I did run through quite a few age groupers and quite a few pros on the run course. Okay. Um, if people are interested in fueling what I did over here, um, I was basically using Infinite, which was a product we've been using on the camp. Uh, so on the bike, I go through two bottles of Infinite, um, which is each of those gives me around about 60 grams of carbohydrate and then had a couple of gels to top up on that as well as uh, water throughout the course. Got to give the big ups to the organisers over here on, on the water. Whilst the, the water bottles they give you are pretty rubbish um, and, and pretty squelchy, the um they were cold, and so every they had five. I think it was five aid stations on the bike, and so every time you went through, you know, you get a cold bottle of water. You chop about half of it, and then you pour the rest over your body, and that was it was gold. So they did very very well on that front. Oh, good times. Um, so the run. Coming off the, uh, yeah, starting the run, um, was onto the grass for the first part of the run, and my, my plan for the run was just to try to sit around four minute case. Um, so set off on the run, and there was this young Aussie guy, and uh, I caught him at about one k into the run, and he was puffing and panting, and I thought, geez, buddy, we're only one k in here, and you're puffing. Uh, you've obviously pushed the bike pretty hard as well, and and so I ran 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 past him and just asked him, you know, how many he thought were up front. And he was puffing and panting, didn't know, and then. Belinda took a picture of uh, Phil crossing the line, and Phil ended up finishing about uh, about about forty minutes after me. And in his finishing picture is the guy that started the run with me. So he he was he had one of those classic run splits that his run split was the same as his bike split. Oh really? Oh the poor bike. Yeah. Oh, so no. I think he, he I think he, he biked two he biked two twenty, and I think he ran two twenty as well. Uh, Phil did Phil did four fifty nine. Yes, he was, uh, he, was, he, was, he was satisfied. I, I've got an interview with him later on. He was satisfied with that. Uh, so it just basically settled into my pace on the run. And it's very, as I said, it's a very technical run course, so keeping an even pace is, uh, is challenging. But, you know, I was banging out, you know, pretty much sitting on four-minute four, four minute Ks, a little bit under, a little bit over. Um, it was hot, but it wasn't crazy, crazy hot. You know, I think all the athletes on the camp acclimatized very, very well, and, and I'd include myself on that. Um, so... Was struggling and going through aid stations and you know really cooling off as much as I could, but I wasn't really struggling in the heat uh, and just sort of just made my way through and running people down and feeling pretty good about things. And uh, Belinda gave me uh, uh, where I was sitting at around about 10k to go, and I think I was in sixth place at that stage. Um, ran through a couple more guys, and then there was one guy that I caught at about 
two miles to go and I wasn't running much faster than him at that stage and my pace was dropping. I think I was running about four tens at that stage and I uh, caught up to him at two miles and I thought I've got to push here and I pushed pretty hard and he stayed with me and I was pushing and pushing and pushing and it was uphill and I was like, oh my God, if this guy doesn't crack, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> and so I just kept pushing and pushing and finally I just heard the, the steps uh, easing off but I was, I was working very, very hard and so that meant I knew at that stage that there was no way I was going to catch anybody in front of me and uh, and I knew once that guy dropped he was going to drop pretty quickly so the last mile was uh, was a real battle but I didn't have to go in for a sprint finish so I didn't dig dig too deep so overall it was bloody good I did have uh, I was quite impressed with one cut one of my K splits I managed to I had to have a P stop jumped into a, a portaloo and still managed to knock out a four minute 20k with a P stop so I was quite yeah, so you stopped for a P on the run I did why I I haven't I haven't mastered peeing on the run. It's not I think that maybe hard. I need to, Yeah, I haven't mastered it yet. Oh, Newsom. If if, if, if if we next year, by Kona next year, by Project twenty fourteen, you've <clears throat> you've got to be able to nail that skill. I I need some tips from you, Bevan. We, we can go out and do a few training runs in Christchurch. Okay. Yep, yep, we'll we'll get a group together, the P group. Peeing on the run. So so you're going to Kona this year now? No, I'm not. So I did get a slot. Um, there was quite a few people asked that. Uh, so I, I was quite surprised. There was two slots in our age group. and uh, But no, I declined the spot and the third place was pretty happy about that. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but I've got to say, Brie Wee, I didn't catch her on the bike. So I was getting checked all the way through. They had a three-minute head start. But I didn't catch her until Harpoona on the way back on the bike, which is at around about 80 k's into the bike so she was riding like an axe um so it's just a shame that she went off course on the on the run but in terms of the rest of the campers did bloody well on the race um we had out of the campers we had four people uh on the podium um at prize giving so myself john hellmans took out his age group um peter mcleod was fourth in his age group and murray lapworth was fourth in his age group so at this race they can't they do it like the iron man if you get in the top five you get on the podium and you get a nice little salad bowl. So I've got a salad bowl to bring home now. Pretty pumped about that. Yeah. And it's not as big as Michelle's, though, because each person gets a slightly smaller um, salad bowl. Uh, and then probably the highlight of the prize giving, though, was uh, Murray, Murray Lapworth turned up, and he finished fourth in his age group. And he said, oh, I've been over to the, the, uh, the results here, and there's two slots in our age group. And I said, well, Murray, I know one of those guys is not taking a slot because it was uh, – it was Mark from Honolulu, and he'd said he isn't taking it. So I said, you're, you're one spot off getting to Kona. And when time clicked around, next first, first two didn't take it. So Murray Lapworth, uh, one of our campers, is off to Kona for the Ironman. Now, he's done he, it before, hasn't he? He has not. He oh, was, great. He was pretty pumped, and uh, he didn't know what he was going to do next. He you know, wanted to come and do this camp. This was his 50th birthday present to himself. Um, he was going to go and do the Ironman Revisited that the Challenge Athletes Foundation does. Yep. Um, but I said, mate, come and do this camp. You're going to do all the Ironman course. You're going to have a hell of a good time, and you will do the you know, half the Ironman course, essentially, with the, the race. And uh, So he's handed over his cash, and he is coming back for Kona. I'll tell you what, it's going to be an expensive year for him this year. It is. And he's starting a new job in about a week, so he's got to go into his new job and say, uh, okay, I'm starting a new job, but I'm off to Kona in October. Good times. Hey, so uh, rest of the camp, what else? What are the, some of the highlights from the camp? I'll give a quick summary because a lot of this stuff will come out in some of the interviews we've got with the camp athletes, but... Um, couple of really big highlights were uh, we biked to Volcano, which is 150 kilometres, which included a 
about a 50 kilometer climb at the end of the the, uh, the ride. It was it wasn't a, a steep climb, but it was you know 50 kilometers of climbing to get up to 1500 meters of elevation. No, 1200 meters of elevation. So it was still a fair amount of climbing at the end of a ride. And then um, when we got to Volcano, we did a run into, into one of the volcanoes, one of the ones that wasn't active, and across the the sort of valley floor of it. And that was just wicked. I'll post some. Fi- there are some pictures on the Epic Camp uh, Facebook page, and I'll post and I'll, and on my uh, Coach John Project 2014, but that was wicked, and that was a big highlight for a lot of people on the the camp was to do that run. Um, we also did, uh, and I've discussed this before. We went over. We did the most crazy hill climb that probably I've ever done. Uh, coming out of Kona, if you want a challenge, you go and do this hill climb. Um, again, I'll post that on my Coach John um, Project 2014.com website, but. You know, you've you've done some climbs in Europe, Bevan, as well. You've done the Tourmalet, and, and I've done a, a lot of the big mountain passes in Europe. This was probably harder than anything I've done. It was really? 19, 19 kilometers of climbing. First sort of um, uh, first maybe eight k's, not too bad. That's up Palani. You know, it's pretty manageable. You turn off Palani, and then you have uh, whatever ten to twelve kilometers of very steep climbing basically it's not switchbacks but you're just sort of doing a straight and then turn and it's just sort of zigzagging its way up and there was long stretches of around about 20% in gradient it was and doing this on TT bikes it was incredibly tough but I was so proud of all the campers got up to the top and uh, and a lot of the people on the camp you know they're sort of 12 13 hour Ironmen they're not sort of nine hour athletes um, but my god it was so steep and then the last um, couple of k's of the climb the clouds rolled in and it was pissing down with rain and I cannot believe that nobody fell off their bike on the way down because you know you're going down 20% and pouring rain uh, on TT bikes uh, it was not the safest thing I've done in my life no. So that was, um, God, it was, it was very, very challenging. Uh, when I was looking down at the power meter, you know, my cadence at places was down to 35 RPM, and I was passing people, and their cadence was lower than mine. Um, and then the other big, big ride we did uh, was from Manalani, where we went up to the high road and went out to Harvey, the highway, um, not sort of on the Ironman course, and then we looped back and came around, and that was a spectacular ride, some amazing views. You get up pretty high again, and uh, yeah, so we had some, some brilliant, brilliant riding over here. And, and back on next year? back on next year slightly different route so um, if people are keen uh, I've already got quite a few people signed up uh, it'll be back on same time you know it'll be the, the week before the race which is always held the first weekend of first Saturday of June and uh, we're going to loop the island next year so we'll be doing similar similar stuff to this year for some of the days uh, we'll have the race at the end um, but I think the important thing to get across with this camp and John Ellis summed it up pretty well when we, I did a quick interview with him is it's it's different to an epic camp regularly you know everybody's a bit more laid back they've got their own agenda on what they want to achieve with the camp um, we have camp minimums that we encourage people to meet uh, and the standard is you know we've got people from, from my level um, through to people that are say around about 13 hours for an Ironman so there's quite a big spread so if you are you know, at the you know eleven to twelve to thirteen hour range, then you can still we, we just leave we just set off in different groups and there's there's people of similar abilities. So uh, I think it's going to sell out pretty quick for next year, and it's going to be be another good camp. Okay, good times. Um, anything else, John? No, I will be getting my website updated. Uh, I'm only up to day three, I think, um, but I have put my power file and my run file from the race up up there. If people want to check that out. Uh, no, that's about it, I think, Bevan. Um, okay. Just 
kicking back for a few days now. And well, we'll talk about that in a second. What we're going to do is we're going to put on Pete Jacobs. So what John did is he caught up with Pete Jacobs for about twenty minutes a couple of days before the race. And uh, yeah, let's put it in right now, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's Pete Jacobs with Jumbo. Righto, so we're um, sitting here, the lovely Manalani. We've had uh, a nice little swim this morning. We had a special guest join us on uh, Epic Camp today, world champion Pete Jacobs. Welcome back to the show, Pete. Thanks very much. Good to be back on. So um, I think um, a lot of people are going to be intrigued to hear about what you've been up to um, since winning the, the world title and, and how your world has changed since then. Um. You know, I've been up to similar stuff that I was doing before, except definitely there's a lot more of it. So more of the same as how I describe sort of what my life's been like since winning Hawaii. Um, You know, a lot more, um, you know, decisions to make in terms of sort of racing or sponsorships or traveling, um, what commitments I can fit in, um, you know, requests to appear here, there and everywhere. Um, so a lot more decisions to be made and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been really good. And, um, my wife, Jamie, obviously has, has really stepped up and taken control of the business now and replies to all of those communications and, you know, managing so much of, um, what needs to be managed in a, in a business. Um, and so in terms of, uh, but I've really enjoyed this opportunity, um, you know, to, to spread my knowledge, my experiences, what I've learned, um, you know, the mistakes that I've made, um, you know, I've got a better platform to share my knowledge and, you know, I really enjoyed that side of it and feeling like I'm making a difference to, to other people, so it's a good opportunity. Is it pretty tough to say no? You must have to say no a bit now. Yeah, it is a little bit, um, you know, but we kind of got to, you just kind of just got to draw the line a little bit somewhere and um, obviously, um, you know, a lot of charities do come knocking and um, saying, can you do this appear there and sort of things like that and it's like well you know I can't fly for two days you know down there back again two days out of my training my you know my my block of training and pretty important time and not make any money from it either but I'm going to sacrifice possible earnings from you know not not getting a race result that I wanted you know so you just got to kind of weigh up what is beneficial and and what you can and can't live without obviously there's a certain amount of balance that is needed um, obviously you've got to balance your sponsorship commitments so um, I did learn early on this year um, that you know I was in a hard block of training early this year and going really well um, then I had to make a trip to Melbourne for a sponsorship commitment and um, you know the day after doing a long run and a long ride you know sit on a plane all day kind of photo shoots the next day photo shoots and fly home and then a couple of days of hard training back on a plane to LA you know, and ended up, you know, then racing a week later at Alcatraz and pulling up really badly injured. And I can relate that back to, yes, it was these two sessions that I did, a long ride, then a long run the day after um, that started it. But the lack of any rehab whatsoever for two weeks between doing that and all that travelling up to racing uh, Alcatraz is what's really made that injury stick around and made it quite bad. And, and um, you know, then I couldn't shake that injury for the next six weeks. Um, and you know, so this is why this is my only my second race of the year here in Honu. 
So how do you go about um, laying out your year? Because you know Alcatraz, you wouldn't typically associate with a with an Ironman athlete. I think you did Noosa maybe last year as well, did you? Yep. So how do, how do you sort of decide on on what you're going to do? Also bearing in mind that you're in Kona this week. It's a low points race. It's a low prize money race. Yet you're still here. So what what sort of um, how do you decide on your race schedule? Um, luckily, points aren't an issue for me. <laughs> um, all I've got to do is finish an Ironman this year and I, and I get to race again in Hawaii um, in October. Um, planning out the schedule was sort of trying to do it better than I ever had before and, and I actually wrote out all the races and the dates and looked at it much, much more in detail than I had any other year and I sort of said, okay, I want to get this block of training in here, then that block there and, um, you know, spaced it out that I hadn't done before and then... Um, you know, it still required a fair bit of travel, you know, and went over to the Endurance Live Awards in LA and then a week later was Alcatraz. So that kind of was like, okay, we can, let's go do those two, two key things in the States and then hung around for a couple more weeks and wanted to run the LA Marathon. So that was kind of the balance in my life of saying, here's a different focus, um, work on your running, do something that you want to do just for fun, tick that box um, and, you know, then, of course, after Alcatraz, I got the injury and I couldn't run the marathon. I was a little disappointed, but, you know, I was looking for balance and blocks of training. So the marathon motivated me in the first couple of months of the year um, to kind of get back into it and look after myself. And then, um, you know, but getting that injury, then again, still, I was always wanting to race here. Um, but having had now sort of six weeks of training leading up to this one, um, you know, being here is just a, uh, I'm just really happy to be here, not have an injury, to be back in Kona, um, or near close enough to Kona, um, that, you know, have that, um, get that vibe from the island and certainly coming back and experiencing this without the pressures that will be there and the excitement and the, the hype that will be there in October. I think it's really nice to come here um, and I guess just, you know, maybe just find a little bit of peace while it's peaceful that I can then bring back, um, you know, back in October as well. So balancing and just finding peace and all of that um, sort of and finding blocks of training is kind of how I, I've weighed up the, the year of racing, um, as well as talking to race directors, obviously, um, and my sponsors, you know, so everyone sort of chips in a bit here and there where they, they pull you here, they pull you there, and you just kind of weigh up what you can fit in and what's going to work out best for October. Um. At the marathon, were you planning on uh, running hard? And if so, what do you think you could have run? And if you weren't planning on running hard, what do you think you could knock out a fresh marathon in if you were fairly well trained up for it? Yeah, uh, the, before I started to pull up a little bit tight, um, I was running really well and, and, um, and was hoping that I was going to... If I still felt good on race day and running hard felt fine with no niggles, I was going to run hard. And I wanted to try and get in the low 220s um, and then if I was just training for a marathon, I'd run a, want to run, um, you know, sort of more around, I'd want to run around more 215 for, if I, if I was training for a marathon as a marathon runner. Um, you know, obviously I've got the engine as, um, some, some of the Australia's great runners, I bumped into them and they were sort of like, look, you know, if you've got the engine, you can run a marathon well, you know, even guys that have no form, no technique. If they've got that engine, they can get down to a reasonable time. Um, yeah, so I, I think I've got the engine. I think I've got the technique and um, the drive. So 
you know, if I was training for a marathon, I'd want to run around the 215 or something. But if I ever get a chance to do that until I've retired from triathlon, probably not. Um, but I would like to run one one day that is more like in the low 220s um, just for fun and tick that box and say, well, that's my, that's my best and I'm happy with that um, rather than being like, well, my best is a 241, but it was at the end of a Ironman in Hawaii. I'd like to have something a little bit quicker just as uh, in my record, in my own record books for my own, you know, put down in my own uh, sort of life. Yeah. So, so as it stands at the moment, I've actually got a faster marathon time than you. <laughs> Two, 238. Yeah. But that wasn't after a marathon, after a bike ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, it's not, it would be really nice to compare with people and then obviously, you know, get in front of other people like yourself. <laughs> big, big, big heights to, to, to scale. Um, what, what do you think you're capable of doing? And, and I know you, you, you and Crowey, you know, you're probably the two standout runners. Um, what do you think you're capable on, on, a, on a, a fair day here in Kona of doing? Because, you know, last year it didn't seem to be quite so quick on the run from memory. Um, but what, what do you think you're capable of here if, if it's not too hot on the, on, you know, and the bike hasn't been particularly brutal? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I, when I ran 2.41 and the next year 2.42s, um, I went slow on the bike, you know, and that was just because I was flat. I just couldn't push hard and, you know, I put that back to just having a, a poor taper for the bike ride. So I got off the bike relatively fresh. Um, even though I was at my maximum, I just couldn't push though. I couldn't get my heart rate up. So last year though, and I rode obviously very well, my taper was really good, but it was windier. So whether my run time, which was 2.48, which, you know, six to seven minutes slower, um, is put down to the wind or whether a lot of it was just because I was able to push really hard and, and really try and, and kill myself a bit on the bike or whether I lost I would have lost a few minutes just because I had the time to. Um, I walked most aid stations from in the second half and, and really took my time to make sure that I made it home because I had that, that lead. Um, there's a few minutes here and there and everywhere I think in those in those three main points that yeah I come back to a, a good day where um, maybe I'm a little bit stronger or, you know I'm doing some gym work this year so maybe I can just get off the bike a little bit fresher um, if we have a day without the wind get off the bike a bit fresher um, and then have a day where you know there's guys next to you like like Iron War was you know that's when they ran their quickest times you know there's someone there side by side and all you could do was just think about moving forward. There was no, there was no other thought of, oh, you know, maybe I'm a bit tired, or maybe I'm not going to catch him, or, you know, those sort of thoughts, or maybe I'll walk the aid stations. Um, if you're in a pure race of speed, uh, you know, I think you do run better because you're thinking less. So, if that, if it came down to it, you know, I think I'd like to obviously break 240. I'd like to try and get uh, Mark Allen's run record. And uh, so we'll wait and see. I'm a little bit up in the air as to whether it is possible if you push hard on the bike, like I did last year, I ran a lot slower, or whether it was the other factors that were a bit more limiting. Because um, I was in the best run form of my life before Hawaii last year. You know, I'd run more kilometres in the weeks. Um, I was running faster and easier. Um, and so I was hoping that I was going to run faster, but at the end of the day, I rode a lot faster than previous years. So you can't have everything. And 
So it's sort of a question that I'll probably be asking myself for the next 10 years is what is the perfect balance and how do you have the quickest bike ride you can and the quickest run, you know, and, uh, and have the quickest overall time. You just said there, you know, maybe break Mark Allen's record. Do you actually pinch yourself when you hear yourself saying that, going, holy shit, I might potentially break Mark Allen's record? Yeah, um, a little bit, but I think it's, you know, my, my own expectations have always been the highest, you know, whenever everyone says, oh, you're going to feel pressure in October, and I, and I say, look, not really, because I feel my own expectations are higher than anyone else's. No one else expects me to run under 240. You know, no one else expects me to get off the bike in the lead. Um, you know, so I've got my own goals that um, supersede what everyone else is thinking. So I think that's how I am keep the pressure off me. And, um, you know, I, I think having such high expectations, yeah, I feel if I achieved them, then yes, I'd be uh, pinching myself. Obviously, even winning Hawaii hasn't sunk in and it... And it won't for a very long time. And I do go out there training, and sometimes I tell myself, "Wow, you've what are you training for? You've already you've already done that." It can't. I can't believe that I have already won Hawaii. And you know, was it an easier year? And you know, could I beat these other guys? But at the end of the day, then I go, "No, no, look, it is what it is. It's it's that one day of the year that everybody has to be at their best shape on, and that's the only day that matters." Um, and so, you know, I you know to have won it you know is, is is very special and uh but i hope this year um you know it works out a bit better for my fellow aussies for craig and chris who obviously had bad races last year i'd love to you know see them on their best day before they obviously you know they're getting closer to retirement and i'd love to um push with them on the on the front of the race Kiwis are coming. Don't worry about the Aussies. The Kiwis are coming. Bevan Doherty is on his way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've all heard about Bevan Doherty. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the, the shoes are going to be so fast we won't even see the shoes in Kona. You know, so we'll, it's, a, it's interesting and everyone's getting a good laugh out of what he's saying. Yeah. Now, you're looking great. And he's got the Pete's uh, said to me before we started, he's wearing his Ironman World Championship jersey for the first time since uh, October. We're um, sitting here, got a bit of ASIC gear, and uh, we had Blue 70 swim this morning. So maybe just tell us a bit about some of your sponsors and any sort of news you've got on the sponsorship front. Um, yeah, there's been a few new sponsors since um, since winning in Hawaii, obviously. Um, you know, th they don't come door knocking like people often ask me. Um, you've still got to go there and uh, and sell it a fair bit and, and make the introductions and those sort of things. Um but yeah, so what are we, Boardman, obviously I'm back on board with Boardman, which is, you know, fantastic. And uh, Brownleys are back on as well. So it's a great team and the guys are really working hard on the next, um, on the 2014 TT bike. So, you know, come Kona, I'm going to have a, a new TT bike, which is really exciting. Um, as much as I love the one I'm on at the moment, you know, hopefully it still feels the same or it'll feel better, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's been great working with ASICs. They are in America, ASICs. Um, you know, they're a fantastic family and group of people there and um, they do a lot of great production work at the races and so I'm learning more about the video and online blogging and all of that stuff off them, which is a big part of their job now as well. Um, you know, and they, you know, really look after us whenever we come to America. So it's nice to have those networks around the world a bit. Um, Boardman will meet up with when we go and I go and race Ironman Frankfurt. Um, ASICs are in a, when we're ever in America. 
Um, and it's these networks that really help support me throughout the year um, that make a big difference, make you feel like you're not just out there doing it on your own um, and that they're there, they want you to do well, they believe you'll do well. Um, and that really makes a big difference to the confidence and, uh, but also, you know, your self-worth kind of what you feel you're doing it for. Um, so you, look, everybody, all my sponsors are just fantastic and um, they all make me feel like that. Awesome. Um, so the rest of the, the, as the year change, what's your schedule for the rest of the year? Um, rest of the year is staying as it, as it was. Um, now that I'm back on track, I'm racing Ironman Cans 70.3 next week. Um, and then or just a week after this race, Hono. And then it's only about uh, four weeks to um, Frankfurt Ironman. Um, and then, you know, but I've, I've kind of tried to, I was worried about how I was going to race here and at Cairns and thinking, geez, I'm racing, I should be doing five-hour rides and building up for Frankfurt. And, and I just had to tell myself the other day, just one step at a time. Let's go and try and win Hono. Let's go and try and win Cairns. Do what you can in the in the next few weeks to Frankfurt. But at the end of the day, I'm racing some of the best guys in the world in Frankfurt. And if I go a few minutes slower on the bike, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, it's not the world championships. And um, I've got to save it for Hawaii and, and focus on Hawaii. So I'd much rather try and have better races here and in at the 70.3 cans than go a few minutes faster in Frankfurt. So those sort of things I have to sort of you know chat to myself about while I'm out training and uh just tell myself stop worrying mm. just just focus on trying to um get you know first things first mm. so from Frankfurt um uh a month later Philippines 70.3 which I'm going back to try and get um my third the fourth title there um which is a fantastic event really good fun um and then there's Malulaba 70.3, um, which I will hopefully race. It's only a month out from Hawaii, but um, I'm racing. I'm training much more, um, less structured, more by feel. So in terms of trying to fit in a big block of training, and I have to do this five-hour ride on this day, you know, I don't kind of have that anymore. So you know, Malulaba 70.3. As long as all's going well, and I don't need to be spending that day on a massage table or something. I'll be there racing, just treating it as a training day and hopefully all goes really well because I'll just be, you know, racing by feel and, um, and going as hard as I can. And then leading and then, you know, four weeks later is, is the big one. And so between now and then, it's just one long continual build-up and it's similar to what I did last year and every other last four years now I've had injuries at this time of year. So, you know, it's, all, it's worked out really well every year that that's happened. So it's happened again and uh, one long, slow build-up and just focusing on those last two months, really, August, September. That's when I just really need to nail those long rides. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving up so much time today and um, all the best. We'll see you out there on the weekend. And uh, if you see me out there, you're having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for having us, John. Okay, sweet. Right out, we're back. John, I haven't listened to the Pete Jacobs interview yet because we were recording straight on. But uh, any points? No, he's just he's just a good he's a good interview, you know, and, he, and he's do, doing some really good things for the sport in terms of you know he was down here, he did a little talk 
to everybody before that well, he, he came on the camp to start with and and we'd had a swim session with him and then he came over for breakfast and people were pretty pumped about that yeah, it's um, pretty cool. they they really love that and they've got signatures and photos and stuff with that so i can't guarantee that as being an annual occurrence unfortunately um but you know then he turns up at the, the at, at race briefing and does a talk there hands out um kona qualifying slots the roll down slots um at the prize giving and he didn't pike it didn't pull out of the race you know he was clearly just having a shitty day um but he but he still finished the race and so good on him he's doing some good things for the sport well Pete's a funny funny character in that when we look at his performances over the last few years he, he's one of the dominant figures in the sport obviously he's a world champ and, and even the two years before they had you know great races and for some reason you get a lot of people who don't necessarily will pick him straight away for this year's race and mm. it's which really fascinates me because the guy's proven that he's he's of this you know he's that next level athlete and he's got to be one of the favourites going into this year's race. Oh yeah, definitely. But he's he's a Kona athlete at this stage in his career. He's a Kona athlete and he, that is his focus for the whole year. A bit like say a, a Mark Allen um, or a Dave Scott. You know, uh, bugger the rest of the year. It's all about Kona. Lance, you know, Tour de France it was always about Tour de France. Um, everything else doesn't matter too much. Um, sure, you do other races, but that's his focus. He is in it for for Kona and and back here. And he is he is very confident and he's very um, as as when I interviewed him, has very very high standards of himself. Does it differently to other people as well? You know, he doesn't have a coach, I don't think, and uh, and just structures things different. He, I think he thought the camp was a bit bit of a crazy ass thing to be doing, but again, that's different for age groupers and pros. Yep, good times. Okay, so um, next up, we're going to put some interviews on. Just how many interviews we've got, Jumbo? Uh, we've got quite a few, so we'll just uh, hopefully the sound quality. The sound quality is going to be a bit mixed. I, the, the good guys from Audio Technica sent over a whole bunch of stuff again. They're they're awesome, and so I think the sound quality on that Pete Jacobs stuff was. Uh, I was I was tr- I used GarageBand, Bevan. I nice. used GarageBand, and uh, first time I've used it and just plugged in one of the mics that they gave, and it was straightforward. So that was awesome. So thanks to Greg Hall at uh, at uh, Audio Technica. But for these interviews I did with the athletes, I just had the little handheld thingamajig and it was sometimes there might be a bit of wind in there so hopefully the quality is okay for you but for you guys but it gives you just a bit of an insight onto to what the athletes thought about the camp and uh and their expectations that's my typical go-to question is you know how did the camp compare and uh to what you expected how did things compare to what you expected on the ironman course and uh general feedback was people had a hell of a good time in this camp and it was just a really really good probably probably the best group of athletes I've had in terms of a management perspective. We didn't really have any dramas, no bitching, no high-maintenance people, so it was, um, it was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> all, you, all you people who come to your old camps are going, am I, am I high drama? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, 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 the high, you're the high drama one. It was always me, every, wasn't it? Once I left, life got easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, we're going to check those interviews in right now. Alright, Epic Camp Kona Light is actually done and dusted and I've done pretty well during the week to get no camp athlete interviews at all. Uh, so we're sitting here the morning after the carnage that was caused last night and I'm not sure if my first interviewee was uh, was uh, was out or not, but Mike Pizzell, welcome to the show. G'day John, very, very happy to be here. How was your evening last night? Oh, last night was great, last night it was, it was just a great... A great result, great um, finish to a to a fantastic week. It was just really, really tough week, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you got to say hello. You, you say you, you said to me you, you listened to the show in the in the car with the kids. So you got to say hello to your kids. 
Uh, yeah, g'day. That's Joshy and Sean and Alex. They'll all be listening to this. They, come, they, they tune in every Tuesday. If I forget to, to download the podcast, they always remind me. Very good. So, so you know, you've, you've now seen pretty much the Ironman course. You know, I think you said to me earlier in the week, you know, probably qualifying for this race is not uh, for, for Ironman is probably not something that's going to happen for you. Um, you know, particularly, say the the bike and and the parts of the run we did. How did it sort of fit in with what your expectations were of having seen it on uh, online? Oh, definitely tougher. Definitely tougher. I I, I remember seeing seeing the guys um, interviewed that have done Kona before and they're always talking about how they get a headwind on the way out to Harvey and it's a tough climb up and then on the way back they get another headwind and I always thought uh, they must be exaggerating or it must be psychological but it's true it's always a headwind I don't know what it is and you're on the way out it was a headwind on the way back it was another headwind so it's very very tough cycle course very very tough and, and what about the the rest of the terrain and, and, and the camp you know was it was it what you expected harder easier uh, this camp, the, really, the, the, the loading on this camp is way more than I've ever done before. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, it's another couple of levels above what I normally do. But uh, the guys are really supportive, everybody's pushing along, and um, you dig deep, and you find out that, you know, you get to about three quarters of the way through, the, through a cycle, and you think, I'm spent, I have nothing left. But then you find somebody comes along and pushes you a little bit more and you find a whole nother level of your, um, your limit, right? And, and that was the main thing on this trip. Every day I found a new limit and I pushed my limit further. It was awesome. So, t- so tell people about you know, what sort of ability you are speed-wise. Uh, I've done one Ironman uh, distance course. I did Roth uh, last year and I did 12 hours 40. So um, yeah, definitely middle to back of the pack. Um, and... And, I mean, the, the quality of the, the guys on this camp is phenomenal. There's some very, very fast people. Um, so I was a little bit intimidated when I first got here. I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with this. But um, I managed to dig in and, and get there. I, I, don't get it there. I don't get there as fast as everybody else, but I get there eventually. Um, and tell us about your race yesterday, the 70.3. Actually, that was really surprising. I, I, I only added about 20 minutes to my 70.3 PB. And that, that original PB was on a flat, windless course. So really, I think I performed as well as any PB that I've done before. So it was just amazing. I, I thought I'm going to be completely spent at the end of that week of training and, and have nothing left. But I guess a lot of the loading was at the start of the week. So we absorbed a lot of that and then um, and pushed into it. And, and the race, actually, the race had no fear. There was no fear at all with the race because... I looked at the I looked at the numbers. Ninety kilometers up a hill, that's no problem. We've done one eighty. We've done one. We've done forty kilometer climbs. We've done so much difficult stuff this week that there was no risk. There was no fear attached to the race. So it, it just went really smooth, and I had a great day. I had a great day. I got off the bike, started running, and I had really good run legs and um, and finished strong. It was good. Brilliant. I'm glad you enjoyed your week and uh, happy travels back home. <laughs> Thanks, John. I had a really good time, and I, I thoroughly recommend this to anybody out there, like myself. That is, you know, if you're not going to qualify for Kona, this I tell you what, this is the next best thing, if not better, because you, you just get the full Kona experience. We had um, we we were on the course all week. We had um, we had a swim session with Pete Jacobs. You may not get that every year, but yeah. we <laughs> that was a bit of a coup, and uh, it was just fantastic. I thoroughly recommend it to anybody who comes. There you go. The gold standard endorsement. We like that.
So a big part of the Epic Camps is making sure you have a good support crew and uh, took a bit of a gamble on Kona Camp this year. I had uh, need to find another masseuse and we got Marianne Payton and she was recommended by one of our listeners that we'll hear about in a moment and as it turned out she's a bloody legend. She smoked it on all the food, massaged everybody every day and a big part of the support crew role is just to be pretty versatile and just pitch in whenever, whenever it's needed. So uh, welcome along to the show, Mary Ann. Thank you very much. It's been really awesome working this camp with you this week. I guess you do like my cooking after all. Yeah. I think you're crazy. But uh, yeah, it's really fun working with athletes. It's, it's what I do. You guys are really fun to follow. I bring the pain and they seem to keep coming back for more. And so tell us who, who put you on to me. That would be Jennifer Moore. She's one of my awesome athletes, also an Iron Woman. And um, she listens to your show religiously. And she's like, I think you need to listen to this guy and meet up with this guy. So thank you, Jennifer. Um, so tell us a bit about your expectations um, coming into the camp. And you know, I say that same thing to the athletes, but in terms of your expectations and, and what we were going to go through and, and what your role was and whether it was what you expected or a bit different. You know, it's hard to say because I didn't know any of you. And although I work with athletes, you know, coming to Kona is a little intimidating. Mm. So I didn't know the caliber of the athletes. And, uh, you know, um, it was it was great. Everybody is, you know, they're AAA athletes. They're also just AAA people. Mm. So you guys work really hard and it was really fun to watch you. We had some awesome days. Mm. The day that was pouring down rain, <laughs> my favorite. So I'm going to post the pictures that I have on my website as well so you guys can see but yeah I didn't know what to expect and I had like the best time of my life it was just awesome. So tell us a bit about your business um, if people were you know, listening in your area or coaches in the states who think they might need somebody for support roles tell us a bit about what you do and websites and all that sort of stuff. Awesome um, well I'm based out of San Francisco and I work a lot with the Stanford Tri Team as well as the track and field and some of their master swim programs and I, I interface with uh, some Tri try teams and their their support teams as far as working with their coaches and their chiropractors or physical therapists and so on and so on so I do a lot of rehabilitation work with these guys and they see me throughout their training before their uh, their events and after their events and pretty much that's what I do did you say you've got a new website coming or is it on its way I do in fact I just expanded my private practice into a business and it's called smart S-M-A-R-T, mm-hmm. and the website is smart, the number four, mm-hmm. muscles, smartformuscles.com. Nice. Thanks. It's uh, sports massage and rehabilitation therapy. Cool. So if you, if you are a coach or you're getting together um, any camps, anybody out there and you want to find somebody in the States, um, highly recommend Marianne. Good hard work is what you need on camps. So thanks for coming on the camp and being such a legend. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, some of you will know that we have a stalker in Christchurch. She stalks Bevan and I uh, daily and lives around the corner from me and not too far from Bevan as well. Zania Morrison, second time camper. Uh, I don't know if I interviewed you last year, so welcome back to the show, Zania. No, you didn't interview me last year. So thanks, John. Uh, Zania, yesterday we had a competition to see who could guess their, their time, the closest time in the race. And Zania and I both guessed three minutes. And I gave the prize to Zania, but I think you probably would have got it anyway, because I was 3 minutes 49, so I'm not sure how many seconds you were. I'm not sure how many seconds. I haven't gone back to have another look, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that Pete Jacobs signed cap. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So it was your your second camp. Um, We obviously took a few different routes this time, but how, how did it differ for you this year to last year? 
Um, I found the rides a lot harder, the one, the, especially the bike ride up to the volcano um, was quite long and challenging as well, especially with having that uh, monster hill climb the day before, so that was a bit of a challenge. Um, and I went ahead and did the long ride on the last day. It's the only oh, the girl, girl. <laughs> got to get that one in. So uh, yeah, so but it was quite nice to have that day, day before the race to just chill out and get things organised. So yeah, no, it's been great. And what, what motivated you to come back? You know, you obviously must have had a good time last year, but what was your main reasons for coming back? Well, first of all was, uh, why wouldn't you come back to Kona? <laughs> uh, it's a great climate, but um, I'm training for uh, Ironman Whistler, so it's a good opportunity to get in a good block of training without having to wear 10 layers of clothes yeah. and uh, ride in the pissing rain back home in Christchurch. So, yeah, yeah, that was our main reason. And, uh, we just really enjoyed it and I think we might come back for number three. Oh, lap of the island next year. Yeah. Um, what else about the camp? Anything else about the camp that sort of stuck out for you this year? Um, it was a really good bunch of um, athletes this year. Um, lots of fun, lots of laughs and uh, that made the training a little bit more easier to just have some good people to talk to on the bike. Very good. These guys are off the airport, so and uh, haven't seen your husband hobbling around, but he didn't follow in too many instructions yesterday. But um, is he walking today? Uh, not very well. So I'm not looking forward to going home and having to listen to the Achilles complaints again. But uh, so hopefully he'll get that sorted and he'll be ready for Ironman Whistler. Very good. Susania was the only trooper who did uh, the bike ride on, on Thursday. We did 125k, and there was only. Uh, five of us that did it and Zani was the only female and she took home the they kept all the prize in the family they she took home the closest guesstimate on her time and Ian took home the prize for the um, handicap race up this stupidly mental steep mountain we rode up so uh, well done to you guys thanks John and uh, thanks again for the great camp it's been awesome cool I, I, I'm sitting here at breakfast and I'm telling the, the stalkers to be quiet in cheap seats. The wags that have come on camp are sitting here uh, having breakfast, final day before departure. Um, and I've got the, the Philinator with me, who's a regular feature of the show. So welcome along, Philinator. Thanks, John. Second time back on the camp. Why the hell did you come back? Had such a great time last time. It's a great camp, getting away from the Christchurch winter. Coming over with us in some lovely weather, fantastic roads, and just to come back to Kona, it's awesome. We saw an improved showing in the, the race this year. <laughs> <laughs> I had a much improved race preparation, getting completely drunk uh, on the Thursday wasn't good preparation, I found that out last year, so I did a much more conservative uh, preparation this year by only drinking two, two cocktails the night before. But you managed to, uh, it was Phil's birthday the day, uh, it was yesterday, the day after the race. And it's fair to say there was some fairly strong celebrating uh, after the race. Yeah, we made up for it uh, the day, next day. Yeah. A little bit of a party which got moved on a number of times by uh, hotel security. <laughs> Finally ended up in someone's room and uh, there was some very interesting shenanigans went on in room 626. Very good. Um, so for you this year we did... Uh, so a little bit of the same stuff you know, in terms of riding the Ironman course. Um, I guess in terms of the riding the Ironman course, you've probably done it a few times now. How do, how do you sort of rate it you know, on the, the wind scale and difficulty scale, what we had in the race and also what we had uh, on the day we rode the Ironman course? Con 
compared to other years, it was actually very, very tame. I remember when I came over here in 08 and we rode out in the Queen K, it was gusts of 140 kilometres an hour and it was very challenging conditions. Whereas the day we rode the Ironman course here, it was actually not too bad at all. Quite easy really compared to what you can have. And the day of the race, yeah, considerably easier than last year. I was talking to Troy and we were saying about um, we saw a number of people coming out of the cuttings uh, where they got the road going through and they were moving three metres last year whereas this year didn't really see I was a lot further up the field <laughs> thankfully um, but I, it was just nowhere near you know you could sit on your euro bars the whole time and the wind just changes direction all the time so it's very hard to predict when you go out and back but yeah the wind was pretty pretty tame really and uh, highlights you know favourite favourite workouts of the camp I was really looking forward to the Calaco drive uh, hill climb um, namely probably just pipping you at the top <laughs> unfortunately you know you manufactured this chain break <laughs> on the easy section of the climb um, but I pretty much blew to pieces about two seconds after that uh, I was on the limit the whole time <laughs> um, but I was, I was pleased to have done that but it was significantly harder than I thought it was going to be rolling to the volcano that was pretty cool and then running across the volcano that was otherworldly you know that was uh that was pretty wicked um but one of the the rides i probably enjoyed the most was the 125k that we did on the thursday when took it very easy and rode up to wakaloa waimea and then down and ran to harvey uh, and then back um the wind was good the conditions were fantastic view scenery was absolutely amazing that was probably my highlight probably because we took it a bit easier it wasn't quite such a hammer fest like it has been other years so yeah and uh quote, quote of the camp Quote of the camp. You got the text last night. Oh. <laughs> Murray Latworth sent me a, uh, a text after the shenanigans in room 626 and said, thanks for putting the hammered hammer back in the tool shed. Because <laughs> Murray is uh, the holy hammer and uh, got to give kudos to Murray. He qualified for Kona, got fourth in his age group in the race and it rolled down to fourth spot and he was... Uh, he celebrated pretty hard and had to get up uh, after having three hours sleep and was breathing fumes. Uh, so Phil's, Phil's signing up for next year and he's uh, on target for France 2016. Yep, so I'm out for that one too. How about that, Jen? No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, John, I'm going to be there, don't worry. <laughs> it's the uh, it's 40th birthday that year for Phil and I and uh, we're going to probably ride out to his on our 40th, so it's going to be all good. Boom! <laughs> Lock it, lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in. All right, so I'm catching people before they depart to find out what they thought of the camp. And I've got, uh, we had a lot of Christchurch people on the camp this year, and uh, one of them was Paul Watts. So welcome along to the show, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Paul's done one Ironman, does quite a few halves um, and some Olympics, so probably not a, an iron junkie like a lot of the guys on the camp. Um, what was your, your sort of reasoning for, for coming over here, Paul? Just having a year of living the dream and, and uh, new experiences, um, and this just fitted in for a build up to London. Um, never been to Hawaii. And you know, you probably watched a bit of the Hawaii coverage on TV and, and uh, seen it online. How did it sort of compare to what, what you're expecting? Uh, it was beyond expectations, really. It's everything I imagined. It was as tough as I thought it would be. 
uh, both physically and mentally, um, and, and I ticked a few boxes on this trip, so it was great. Um, and for you, you know, we did some pretty silly things on the camp, you know, climbing up a, a pretty steep mountain, and I obviously had the race and did the Ironman course, but, um, you know, what was a, a highlight for you? Uh, the, the day we rode to Volcano was, was mentally testing, but once we got there and had a look in that crater, it was uh, just well worth it, and, and forgot about the pain. And, that and the race. Um, yeah. the, I, I really enjoyed the run on the race. So um, a lot of people think you know we're pretty nutty doing this week of heavy training before before a race, and it's obviously not the, the perfect taper. But how did you feel um, during the race relative to how you felt? You know, say you've been aiming for for an A an A race for a half Ironman or an Olympic distance. Um, actually, it taught me to pace myself probably a little better, um, and I had a nice even run. Um, the legs did feel a little bit dead on the bike, um, but, but saying that, um, I biked as fast as I have any other half Ironman. Um, so even, even though I felt fatigued, my time wasn't too far off what I probably could achieve on this course anyway. And how did you like those road surfaces? Oh, yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> just, just fantastic. So if, you, if you're Kiwis listening to this, Americans might not quite understand, but the roads in New Zealand, the Paul Sun Challenge Wanaka, amazing course in terms of uh, scenery and, and what have you, but um, the road surface is pretty big chip when you come over here. I know, what, what, do you reckon maybe uh, at least two kilometres an hour, maybe three kilometres an hour quicker? Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just not the speed, it's um, that, um, that jarring and bumping and, and fatigue that I think you can go, go quicker for longer as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say at least three um, for, for a middle of the packer like me. So just before we finish up, you know, so people know roughly your sort of, your sort of speed. So for, you, you've done one Ironman and, and what do you sort of normally do for, for an Ironman and, and a half Ironman? Uh, so my half Ironman is usually anywhere between uh, around five and a half and I was just under six for this one. Uh, I've done just the one Ironman which was uh, close to 12 and a half hours. Yeah, plenty of people to ride with during the camp. You weren't out the back at all. Oh, yeah, not at all. And, and that was a pleasant surprise because I thought most days you'd be waiting for me, but uh, wasn't wasn't the case. Yeah, so it was great. Awesome. Safe travels back to New Zealand. Thanks. Thanks. It's been a great week. Cool. Right, I got Mark LaRoche here, another Christchurch lad. Um, welcome along to the show, Mark. Thanks, John. Uh, I ask everybody the same sort of question. Expectations um, when you came over here in terms of. Actually, before we start, tell us a bit about um, your speed and ability to get a feel for what you like. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm still getting faster. I did Taupo this year at 11.24. Yeah. And what were your, your reasons for coming over to the camp? Uh, I did the uh, January Ironman camp in, in Canterbury and found that a great experience and want to and found that that made me stronger and thought coming over to Hawaii. Uh, would do the same, test me both physically, uh, but mentally especially. Because mm-hmm. physically I can, I can do that at home, but yeah. it's that mental challenge of keeping going. And how did it sort of match up, you know, expectations versus, uh, versus what actually happened out there? Easier, harder, about what you expected? I guess pretty much what I expected. Yeah. There, would be, there would be times that um, I'd be tested, and I was, but uh, no, it was, it was great. And obviously coming from Christchurch, you know, we have a, a moderate, fairly moderate climate. Um, how did you find the heat? Yeah, I see, I thought I'd have a problem with the heat. Um, I'd suffered in Wanaka previously, but 
it, it, it really wasn't a problem, especially on the race. They had the aid stations every mile, so there's plenty of ice, plenty of water. It's not a problem. And what was the most uh, memorable session or day for you? <laughs> That'd be the hill climb. <laughs> that was just uh, it was magic. I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. It, it. It took my glutes to the the max, and there were times I wondered what would happen if they cramped. Yeah. I'd fall off my bike, but they didn't. And it, yeah. So ex explain the hill climb a bit to people because I haven't gone through it too much. <laughs> um, it was only I think about 19k of actual climbing over I think 1500 meters. Um, but some of the pitches were, I, I guess, about 20%, and I'd been on 20% before, but not for as long. I, I don't know, they were several hundred metres at that grade, and it really took you to the edge, but, but loved it. And how long did it take you to get up? I did, uh, it was a 1.32. It's a, it's a long time, and that was, that was a pretty consistent 1.32. You know, you, you didn't have, there's a few periods where it flattened out a little bit, but there wasn't a lot of recovery time there. No, no. But unfortunately, it, it was a little bit shorter than we'd yeah. been led to believe, so, so we got to the van and uh, yeah, it was all great. Although it was pouring with rain at the top. Uh, and tell us a bit about your race. Race. Um, yeah, the swim was a, well, wasn't, the, wasn't the best. Um, like a lot of people, I got sort of went with the herd, ended up halfway between the uh, two markers at the end. I, uh, of course, went back and we found the mark again, but a lot of people didn't. Um, which is a bit of a shame, but I was, you know, not going to go to bed that night thinking, oh, I don't really deserve it. Yeah. Um, bike, pretty windy, um, and I think the key there was if you could stay hero uh, in the wind, you, you, you can do all right, and um, and I did. Some, some of the descents were very fast, got up to, I don't know, 74k on one one descent, so if you just hang on, it was yeah, quite exciting. And what about that run? That was a very challenging run. It was a challenging run, but it was a, it was a beautiful run. Um, and mentally it was really interesting because you had no idea where you were. It was like following um, spaghetti. You're just running all over the place. The, the grass had a really soft, um, really soft underneath. I guess it's some sort of something to do with absorbing the moisture to keep it green. Um, so you've got really soft grass and then you're on hard um, concrete. But you're just turning corners and meandering all around the, <laughs> the golf course. It was, it was beautiful. Oh, well done. You know, you look like you performed very well during the camp, so nice work and safe travels back to Christchurch. Thanks, John. There's a little bit of lively debate at the table here. Uh, Project 2016 is, is underway, and the girls are uh, debating what they want to do when they go to France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've also got John Ellis here. Um, he's been support crew guru, has uh, done quite a few of the camps. Um, awesome guy to have on the camp because he can do bike mechanics as well as massage and generally run around people doing exceptional work so welcome back John. Hi guys um, it's good to be back. Uh, if you're in Christ listening to this in Christchurch or anywhere in the, the region check out musclesinc.co.nz. John um, had a great Ironman race a few weeks ago in Melbourne and then backed up over here but I guess before we get to your, your race which you might not want to talk about too much um, uh, you, you, know, you did a few of the sessions out there, but you, you know, when you did, weren't doing them, you were you were driving the course. You know, what, what did you think? You know, you, you're a bit of a junkie in terms of the course and what you saw out there. Was it what you expected? Um, it was actually a lot harder than what I expected. I think when you watch it on the television, it it looks it looks hot, but you don't realise how hot it is, how windy it is, 
and how easy the pros make it look when they're on tally and then you rock on here and it's like the more I've seen of the course the less I want to do it <laughs> it's um it's it's crazy difficult and for somebody like me who potentially is on the cusp of qualifying if I have the perfect day get super lucky it's like it's going to be incredibly hard to come and race here um, and doing this camp for the, a lot of the guys and doing the half Ironman on part of the course has just been fantastic for me mm. and I'm a try geek I'm the first to admit it and coming here is like try heaven you know being on bits of the course um, and just the vibe in this place it's just been fantastic mm. so, so tell us about your race um, I guess trying to back up you know four weeks after an Ironman and you hadn't really done any I don't think you've done much training at all um, tell us about your race um, yeah. Well, apparently, what stays, what happens on camp, stays on camp, except my bike split, which happens to be in the public domain. Um, <laughs> so I had a good swim. Um, I wasn't sure how the race was going to go because I buried myself at Port Macquarie, and in between Australia and here, I also had my 45th birthday, so it was pretty full on at home, and then a full on camp. Mm-hmm. So I got out onto the bike course, got out. I was about 10 to 15 k's in, just settling in. And then it started putting the cool into the body, and it went, yeah, we're pretty tired. <laughs> and I was pedaling squares 20 k's in, yeah. and it's like, oh crap, <laughs> um, <laughs> really, oh crap. And then it was, it was, I was pleased with the way I handled it mentally, you know what I mean? I just like, you know, there's worse places in the world to be when you're having a bad day. Mm. Um, so I just, just rode as best I could. Mm-hmm. Um, my worst ever bike split by... A long time. Yeah. Um, I just it was it was so bad it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I was just smiling and just having a laugh. And I'm pleased because I knew why it was bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had a specific reason. If it'd been my um, a race of the year, I would have been throwing my toys out of the cot. Mm. Um, and then I got out in the run and I was quite pleased. I coped with the heat okay. Mm-hmm. No speed, just Ironman pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and brutal run course here. Mm. It's up down cross grass. Um, and yeah, I was pleased with the run. So I was actually, I was pretty happy considering I had a complete shocker. Mm. And um, I'm going to get teased about that for a long, long time. Um, it was a good day out. I was pretty happy. Jonathan Shipman saved your bacon by having about uh, five mechanicals on the course. Otherwise, I think you were the, the far, furthest off your predicted time outside, Jonathan. Yeah, I was, I had a shocker. 45 minutes? About that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. You know, when you go through all the days of the camp, I know you didn't um, necessarily do all the sessions by any stretch, but, you know, what was, uh, you know, any particular highlights for you in terms of potentially what you saw or, or what you did in terms of the training? I think the vo- running across the volcano was just spectacular. Um, I knew we were going to a volcano and we rocked on up there and it, we were just in, you know, in a forest of jungle, you know what I mean? And when I got dropped to the edge of the volcano and looked out across it, it was, oh my God, that's just stunning. And then you could see the track through the middle of the volcano. And that was just special. Um, That was really, really special. That was probably, that was one of the highlights. And just swimming in the ocean here with the fish and all the wildlife underneath you, it's very distracting. (laughs) You're swimming along trying to keep the acid on and then it's like, oh, look, there's there's a fishy in. <laughs> um, so it was, um, they were the highlights. I also think the highlight, um, one of the things is I've, I've done a lot of these and 
the cool thing about this camp is it, it's not necess- it's not anywhere near as competitive as a, what you'd call a hardcore epic camp. Um, so everybody's pretty relaxed. They're all working to their own thing agendas, um, and you don't get that you know hard out competitive edge that you would get on a normal camp. And that makes it a little bit more relaxed, and it's a lot more fun, I think, for, especially for right across the board there's a really positive attitude with everyone mm. um, so that you know if just fantastic mm. just fantastic brilliant and meeting Pete Jacobs oh, that was that was awesome that was cool and then I bumped into him after the race yeah. as we were bringing the bikes back and um, I was talking to him and thanked him for coming and yeah. talking to us then the next day I was down in town shopping buying presents for the kids and, and my wife and he walked past and he gave me a nod and a wave and it's like Yep, we're best buddies now. <laughs> and, you, and you beat him out of the swim in Kona? Yes, well, we, um, we did a swim session and I basically came out the water with him in Kona, so we'll take that. We won't say that it wasn't in, a, um, in an Ironman or a race of any kind of session, but, you know, we came out the water with Pete Jacobs in Hawaii. You'll take your little victories where you can. Yeah. So well done, John. Again, if anybody wants to check out what John does in Christchurch, check out musclesinc.co.nz. Nice work. Yeah, thanks, man. Okay, Jumbo. so what's the plan from here forward? Uh, so we've got a couple more days, kicking back with the, well, we've, we've had a bit of a WAGS time, Phil and I, with the WAGS uh, over yesterday, and Phil's birthday was yesterday, the Philinator. Well, what's Phil a Patterson. WAG, John? Uh, wives and girlfriends. Oh, nice. So, so uh, what, you, you got so both of them, have you? Yeah, we've got an ensemble going on here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we play it that way, Bevan. Is that your um, role? Yeah, so we're just kicking back for a couple more days here. It's uh, Monday today over here, and we're leaving on Wednesday. So a few airport drop-offs to do today, and then nothing to do tomorrow. And then we've got a day in Honolulu. We were going to uh, either go to Pearl Harbor or go and just have a cruise around the island. And then back on Friday, middle of the night. Oh, wow. You look Tell forward to getting back? Um, yeah, no. <laughs> back, back to reality when we get home. Catching up on everything. What have I been up to, John? You know what I did, John? You said which I haven't done probably about three years. I did a day of doing nothing. It was, it was, like seriously. We got out of bed at ten. I bought myself an iPhone game. I played an iPhone game for a couple of hours. Watched TV. Watched, watched the end of MasterChef. Watched the end of My Kitchen Rules. And uh, we, I literally sat on the couch for probably eight hours yesterday. And, and like I never do that. And there was, I had such a big kind of three or four weeks leading up to this weekend and uh, and, and I thought this Monday I'm just going to be real real lazy and it was actually a really healthy thing to do it was, it was quite nice just to have a, a time where no guilt associated with it be totally lazy and just kind of bum out for a day and like I wouldn't want to live life like that but it was actually it was quite cool good on you so I've been very lazy and uh, go, I go away <clears throat> last week I was saying how I'm going to be going to write my book and I'm leaving tomorrow morning so I've got basically five days in Akaroa so I'm going to be writing my book which is really great and Hopefully, I probably have that releasing later on in the year. You know, once you've written it, you've got to get it edited and all those types of things. So, probably some stage, probably later in this year, maybe even early 2014. But you know, in the next kind of six months, really, we'll be kind of bringing you know, bring my book out, and you know, hopefully, it'll be something that can really add value to people's lives. So that's kind of exciting. And other than that, Jumbo, not much else. Just kind of ticking over. Nice, very good. What yeah. happened in the half marathon? The marathon. I hear Swanee didn't have a great day. No, I saw him before the race and he said that he was thinking about trying to get that 110 and he was hoping for a top 10. I think he ended up doing about 112 or 113. Um, mm. I don't really know why. I didn't get a chance to catch up from after the race, so I don't really know what happened there. What was really interesting in the marathon, it was a slow day. Like, um, 
Phil Crossley. Crossley. Crossley, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Crossley. Phil Crossley won it, and he did 235. Oh, I could have almost taken it, Bevan. Oh, seriously. Like, it wasn't a fast day. It was quite windy. Um you know, but 235, you know, that's pretty slow. So yeah. he won the race for the first time in 1999. So to think he comes back 14 <laughs> years later. But what was also interesting was Liza Hunter-Galvin, who won the females race yes. for the third time in a row. Well, she won it in 1999 as well. So it was yeah. it was kind of funny how, you know, kind of the old the old kind of troopers of the course came out and won it again. So, And then the halves, the, the male race was really exciting, actually, because both three guys came around the corner. It's quite a long straight. It's probably a good at least 500 metres on this home straight. So um, you saw them off in the distance and three guys came around the corner at one time. And I can't remember the winner actually, but one guy just blew everyone out of the water once it got to the sprint. But it was, yeah, it was interesting. Nice. And, and on the female race, I can't remember who won that, but she was miles ahead. So it was good. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so... Good times, Bevan. Good times. Yes. Yeah, so don't say good. Don't don't say good times. Rock and roll. No. Apparently we say that all the time. Yeah, I know. But when it's a saying, John, what do you do? It's just ingrained in you. Um, I tell you what, I was on. Uh, I don't know whether it was on Facebook or Twitter or something the other day, and and uh, what's her name? Miranda Carfrey stealing your it's online Donkey Kong, Bevan. I think she got it from you. Oh, of course she did. Of course or, she did. Although I can't claim claim that one. It's kind of a common one. It is. Yeah. But, but I will claim it. She copied me. Gosh. Okay. John Bo, uh, one thing we do yes. need to tell everyone about is that the Peter Reed interview is now up. So if you ever want to listen to more content this week, we've got the Peter Reed interview for Legends of Triathlon. If you haven't uh, subscribed to that already, just go to iTunes, look up Legends of Triathlon, or go to legendsoftriathlon.com. And it's um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty great interview, and we've got some pretty great feedback about it. So you want to check that out? Cool. Other Good stuff, Bevan. Back in the, back in the studios next week, mate. It is. This is going to be a long show because we're coming up uh, about 40. Yeah, and uh, plus we've got quite a bit of interviews to get in there, so happy listening. Good times. Okay, well, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing. I've got lots of interviews, so great. Cool. Yeah. Have fun with that. I'll, I'll be thinking of you when I'm by the pool. Yeah, exactly. Jeepers, mm. creepers. Iron Russ. Iron Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha. Nice. Okay. See you guys next week.